Greetings podcast listeners, welcome to My Shot of Life with your co-hosts Steven and... Victor! Yeah. Okay. In the house. In the house. Literally in, literally in, in my own in house. In your house. We're in your house. Uh, today we'll be exploring the art of decision making from start to finish including information gathering, analysis, and the resulting conclusion reached with one of those conclusions being... The choice of our drink today, oh. which is Blat, <laughs> which is Blanton's single barrel bourbon, gold edition. So this is the high dollar top shelf bourbon of the day. It's true. That's top of the shelf right there. You can't get any higher than that if you're in heaven. Well, you know what I mean? Act- there is one more Blanton's that's a little better, but oh, well, that's probably like Utopia. You can't get it in the U.S. Was what uh, country can you get it in? Other countries. <laughs> Duty free Lithuania. Stores. Cheers, man. Cheers. Mm. All right. Uh, so we're going to be exploring a couple of these papers that we read from uh, different universities, including Duke, Vanderbilt, UNC, and what's the other school? Uh, somewhere in Canada. Yeah, somewhere in Canada. They don't even have names for schools in Canada. It's just somewhere. Somewhere. Somewhere A, somewhere B. Oh, uh, A. Nice. The other things we're going to be talking about. How do we come up with an informed uh, resolution? What our confidence does in the process of answering questions. our questions? Or like how confident we are when we're responding to questions or answering uh, certain topics. Information bias and is having too much information a bad thing? Uh, additionally, we'll be discussing how your intuition might play a role in the decisions that we make. Then lastly, your favorite toilet talk we're talking today about bathroom comfort and i guess toilet comfort (laughs) yeah generally yeah so all the fun stuff what are you doing in the bathroom what what do you have to do in the bathroom to get settled in oh yeah sometimes you're in there for the long haul yeah and you have to you have to make the best out of it you don't want to be there miserable you know no way all right so we already clinked our glasses we already took a sip what would you say your initial impressions are I have I have a lot to say. Obviously, gonna save it for a little later, but I think it tastes tastes good. So I think it's a little sip, robust. It's got got a lot of flavor, but I like it. You know, I haven't not liked any of the Blantons yet, though. Yeah, it's definitely not Powers. Oh gosh, <laughs> which what? is I've never had Irish whiskey before, but man, I refuse to drink that one on the show. sip. No Don't way. like it. Okay, Vic, I guess you picked this topic this week, so I'll let you go ahead and start it off and, or start off the discussion that we're having. Definitely. To start things off, I do want to apologize in advance. If you hear any rustling of papers, it's because... That's the documents. It's the documents. It's because I'm an old man, and uh, I like to do things the old school way, so I printed out the articles. It's easier to use a magnifying glass on yeah. pieces of paper than it is Definitely. on a computer. And by magnifying glass, Stephen means glasses. So I wore my glasses, took out an old school highlighter and a pen, and took my own notes. But we're not going to bore you with the deep, deep information here. I'm going to give you some brief information on the two articles. If you want to read for yourself, you can. You can make your own decisions based on what you read. But we're going to give you a high-level overview of the two studies that we read and also how they apply to you and your everyday life because it's important. These things impact you on a daily basis and it's 
good to know how you can adjust your ways of thinking in order to make better decisions. Yeah, it's a good way to be informed if you're manipulating yourself into making a uh, inherently bad decision. Correct. So, first article, uh, led by Lisa Fazio out of Vanderbilt. She obviously was the one shepherding the people from Duke and UNC here, oh, yeah. uh, helping them better discover uh, the decision-making process. But this article uh, is out of the American Psychological Association's uh, Journal of Experimental Psychology and is titled, Knowledge Does Not Protect Against Illusory Truth. So to give you a little headline there, the idea of illusory truth is uh, that you kind of go off of what you hear uh, as an individual on a repeated basis. So you're told things uh, as you grow up. And Stephen, I think you have a pretty good example of that. But um, yeah, using, I think I heard using 10% of your brain or no one uses any more than 10% of their brain. That That's always been some sort of myth. fairy tale, some myth that, I don't, who knows who came up with it, but you know, it's been parroted from generations. That's something that we always heard growing up. Another one. Do you have another one? We discussed earlier in preparing for this that uh, that was actually one of the ideas on Mythbusters, that they went through and busted that myth by actually applying science to it. Crazy, right? So <laughs> it uh, makes sense, right? Yeah, they took cat scans uh, or brain scans of, you know, just regular cats. Of, of cats, regular uh, cats <laughs> of uh, one of the members of the MythBusters crew, you know, just in their normal brain activity. And then they were asking them questions as well that they actually had to think about these answers. And so when they were thinking about the answers, I mean, the brain scans lit up and you could tell that it was absolutely more than 10 percent. I'd say it was funny. There, there's a movie called Lucy that has Scarlett, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson in it, and the premise of the movie is that we only use 10% of our brains. What if we used 100% of the brain? Uh, we'd die. I, I never watched the movie, but the more she was able to use her brain, the more superpowers or crazy powers she had. Oh. It, it makes it even better that inter- the entertainment business is capturing some of that made-up knowledge and or made-up uh, myth stuff and then making it into a movie and then further making you think that we're only using 10% of our brains. That's what they want you to think. That's why. (laughs) Yeah, so they set up these studies to kind of uh, get the Duke students who participated to think on different levels. To apply their degree somehow. Yeah, to actually apply what they're learning in school. And so they presented them with these questions where they would have, you know, a set of questions that the bulk of the students should know, They, uh, which they're... Um, breaking point was about 60% should know the answer. They had a group of questions where, you know, it's not really common knowledge, and they only anticipated about 5% of the students being able to answer these correctly. And so they went in with these statements of, they used the example, um, the largest ocean in the world, factually Pacific Ocean. Uh, But they would present students with different phrasings of questions to make them potentially second-guess their decisions of answering Pacific Ocean uh, because later on down the line they'd have another question that would present it in a light that suggests that the Atlantic Ocean is actually the largest uh, ocean in the world. And so they would then begin to question themselves. And so you had these students in uh, the first experiment who were, you know, this is that point of no return, basically. And, Steve, 
I mean, we've experienced this before, right? Yeah, we, I mean, I'm sure we've taken, well, I know you've taken SATs. We both took the GMAT. I mean, you have questions on there, and they have plenty of reading comprehensive uh, testing questions where you read narrative, and then they have questions, and that's the, that's the epitome of the test is that you have to answer what's in the narrative, and then they'll sometimes give you what's question A, and then question B is, or question C will be, um, question A but reworded in a way that you're like wow they're asking the same thing twice and I could get both of these wrong I could get both of these right or I could split the difference and you know, it's going to be one or the other so I'm, I'm very I was very interested in reading that portion of the of the uh, report to see how people would react to that absolutely it's uh, it was pretty wild to see how many people uh, stuck to their guns because they had potentially heard, and it could have gone either way. They could have been told growing up uh, the Atlantic Ocean is the largest ocean in the world, despite the fact that it isn't. And so they... I mean, who's measuring, right? You know? Yeah, seriously. The Earth's flat, too. It's not how big it is. It's how it's polluted. (laughs) It's the motion of the ocean. Um, And so, you know, two different students could have two completely different answers, and they would stick to their guns throughout and... uh, just answer in the way that they thought it was right because that's what they've always heard. That's what's been repeated. So that illusory truth, um, you know, came through in the first experiment where it was, you know, that repeated information was more easy, like easily recallable to the student than hearing any bit of new information and processing that new information. So that's something that's slightly concerning uh, considering how influenced people are kind of every day, right? Man, uh, we have a TV on at work, and it's always on the news. And I won't say which news channel. It doesn't have to be said because it doesn't matter which news channel it is. No matter what mainstream news station you're going to watch, any 24-7 news cycle has a headline banner at the front of it. And when you walk past the TV, you see North Korea's bombing or practicing missiles. And then you're like, oh, God, they're going to attack us or something. And it gets you thinking a certain way. And then you find out maybe later in the day that the bomb wasn't successful. All you know is they practice the bomb and then your assumptions lead you down the path of incorrectville is what we'll call it. Sure. And then Works someone tells you, hey, Hashtag man, the bomb didn't work out. Hashtag incorrectville. Incorrectville. And so, you know, someone tells you, hey, man, the, the bomb stuff didn't actually go off. They were reporting it all day, but in fact, it didn't actually work. Like, no, no, no. It was, it's been on the news all day long. Are you sure? You know, and that's, I mean, I think that speaks to what you're saying is that you're get you're getting, you're barely even getting these, this information. You're just getting parroted quotes, and then you're reading the quotes, and you see it, and it's on for hours and hours. So every time you walk by the TV and you see the same thing, you're like, well, it must have happened today. But how many times on the news do they ever release a retraction on live TV Say hours ago we reported this, or actually this didn't happen. I guess they're less likely to, but they normally write that's it my on opinion. the site. They force you to read it. Yeah, and they'll have it uh, in in really small italics underneath the sentence. We've issued a retraction, but yeah. Um, and then they also took the experiment to another level as well, where they had like specific um, questions where they were presented again and this this points to the fact of i guess not stubborn stubbornness i guess um so you you were actually presented with multiple choice and you had the option to choose i don't know as an answer 
and uh, instead of you know being completely wrong and they noticed that students would prefer to be wrong uh, and answer a question that they did not know the answer to with one of the two options a or b uh, as opposed to the c option which was truthfully the correct answer not the correct answer in the sense of the question but the correct answer in the sense of the person which was they did not know the answer um, what so bothers me is that I feel like any ordinary person would would put they didn't know something. Yeah, but these are Duke students. That, that's what I was thinking when I read it. I was like, these are students who are, man, I don't want to call anybody pretentious. They, they're people who are, probably feel very intelligent about, they're in a school that is very prestigious and very difficult to get into. It's a, it's a big possibility that those students are a little bit more confident in their answers, right? And so I could see why they would they would not answer, I don't know. They have too much pride. But then someone who's like me, maybe even you, I don't I don't want to speak for you, but I don't know a lot about small things like that. Uh some of the some of the things they're quizzed about. And I would definitely put I don't know cuz I don't know. I would rather not know than be wrong. That's just my I'm I'm more like a, a better safe than sorry type person. That's just my two cents. What else you got over there? Uh, that was pretty much it for the first experiment. Or, well, not the first experiment they ran to, but for the first paper, this idea of illusory truth and our reliance on uh, repeated, quote-unquote, knowledge, because it's not necessarily factually embedded, but uh, repeated information that so, we're relying on and recalling as opposed to actually exploring these new routes and new information that we're hearing. Well, so what do you, how have you experienced this at work or in your social life? I mean, I'm, I am 100% guilty of all of it. I think in right. the biggest question for me, which I've just been thinking about recently is I don't know why I ask people questions anymore. Um, because I have a cell phone in my pocket normally and uh, you know you ask these people questions and they're going to tell you either what they think or um, what they have heard for years is the right answer to the question but well you know <laughs> do they actually know the answer so are you you're relying on them in the sense that do they really know, or are they just repeating what they've heard? So I can break that down into two different parts, and I think one would be building relationships with individual people. So you would talk to that person. It, it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong, or if you know if they don't even know anything, but they have an opinion on that, or if they feel like they have an answer to the question you're asking. You're there talking to them because you're trying to build a relationship with that person, and then you're genuinely in- interested in what their response is. So I get that. And if you're like me... You listen to what they're saying, and then you immediately go look it up yourself <laughs> because that's the profession that you and I are both in where we get the information that we're supposed to get, but then we also fact-check it to confirm whether or not that's real. Yeah. And that's not all the time, but... I, I did that with myself today, actually. I was questioned by a superior as to why I performed an action, just like a daily routine kind of thing, where we're... Gosh... This is boring. <laughs> where, where we just um, like a procedure that we usually yeah, do. We're doing some sort of testing over information that a client has given us, and I had just always done it one way, and that's always the way we were told to do it. 
And when the superior questioned me, hey, why are you doing it like this? I did not have a valid answer other than this is the way I've always been doing it. And so I consulted with a few coworkers, and we ultimately found in our uh, guidance, in our manual, where it states, you know, the procedures that I performed. And, and so I sent that to this person and mm-hmm. told them, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So um, it was one of those things where you had to confirm with yourself. You know, I was subject to potential illusory truth in that I had heard that it was done this way and I had always done it this way but I didn't actually have any factual basis in it and usually don't find out until someone comes back to you and says what are you doing this is completely wrong and it almost sounded like that was the case with you where even your superior didn't realize that was how it was done and I've I've been guilty of the same thing where I've kind of gone along with what the norm is so I know that this is acceptable until someone challenges you on it, and then you're saying, okay, well, let me let me back this up somehow. And fortunately, whatever that was had backup or had something uh, building up to that case. Otherwise, you'd have been dabbling in them illusory truths that could people, been, you know, could have been. get called out on that. That's, that's embarrassing. And so um, I think that'll move us right along to our second subject. I think uh, in the brief period between transitioning uh, articles I think we want to mention we also have a Sunday podcast release coming up Uh, it's not going to be our normal podcast it's not going to be exciting discussions uh, and but random bits of information but but if you are living in the Raleigh-Durham area we will have tons and tons of different events that are going on in Raleigh we'll be publishing that information and we'll be putting it in podcast format and then we'll also have it on our website if you feel like digging a little bit deeper and then um, figuring out where the location's at what time it is we'll we'll have it all on our website and we hope that you join us on sunday afternoon for the raleigh rambler the raleigh rambler absolutely all right so moving right along we've got uh a (laughs) paper from the organizational behavior and human position decision processes i guess it's a some sort of book journal um from science direct Uh, from science from science Uh, but the article is actually titled effects of amount of information on judgment accuracy and confidence and so um this examines specifically instances where there could be potential multiple outcomes Uh, the example that they used in the experiments were sports betting sports choices so you had these individuals who were considered somewhat professional um, in their ability to choose uh, you know example football teams so they would have two football teams to choose from who were going head-to-head and so they could choose to take one team to win, one team to, you know, cover a spread as they have in sports betting. And so they were given certain bits of information uh, to go along with this to help not necessarily influence their decision, but help guide them in their decision process. And so what they realized was the accuracy, the more information that the individuals had did not necessarily increase their ability to accurately choose who was going to win um, in these sports matchups 
but it did significantly increase their confidence in their choice. So they may have only chosen, you know, 50% accuracy uh, with their picks, but they were confident in 90% of them. Um, and so that just goes to show um, from this study that, you know, you can have a ton of information, um, but what they didn't realize was they were relying on potentially imperfect information. And so while they're sitting there relying, they're putting confidence into this information that they're getting, thinking the more information I have, the more informed my decision is going to be. But that's not necessarily the case. They may be very, very confident in their decision and passionate about it because they have this extra information. However, the issue with that is that it did not improve their accuracy, number one. And two, the accuracy of the information provided is not necessarily accurate or perfect that's kind of surprising to me but i mean they're using sports as an example for this and i try to think of examples of well i try to think of a more descriptive example than them just saying team a and team b which is what they put in the in the uh abstract abstract so they describe the experiment in their paper experimental paper my god this is so bad i can't think of it Anyways, they don't give you the information that they're describing or that they're providing to these students. So that's that's a little bit of a unfortunate. I, it's, I mean, I don't have any context of this thing. Again, you're asking college students, right? Uh, these were actually these were actually individuals who were not necessarily con- considered professionals in their field, but they were more than you know amateur. They were people involved in the sports industry. Okay, okay. So they're familiar with the stats. They're familiar with um, some of the variables that come into play. And we're saying that the more information that you know, so say you know the win-loss record, the win streak, and the team's ranking, and then those are the three things you know at the beginning. And the other things you find out are saying that two of their best players are not hitting well, it's raining, that you don't play well in the rain and something else. And so you're probably overanalyzing that information. If you would otherwise guess correctly, you're like, ah, this team's lighting it up or they're not, you know. You're relying on things. And I think, especially with sports, one of the craziest things that always blows my mind is historical facts. You know, Oh, on Thursdays, every Thursday afternoon game. This team is 16-0, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's... That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, that's not going to happen. Just because they're playing a Thursday afternoon game does not mean that they're going to continue to go undefeated. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe there's something in the sun that comes out on Thursdays. So that that's kind of part of what they were getting at. They were throwing all this information I just don't. at these people. And, I mean, it happens every day. The, I think the biggest thing that we have a, a difference in is that the choice of a sports game is open-ended to begin with and you're only going to be able to be so accurate you know you could have all the information in the world and you know Anything someone someone could the star quarterback could tear his acl on the first yeah play. that's true i mean sports are one of those things that are more unpredictable than anything in the world i i think you could say that people's actions are the most unpredictable thing in the world because they probably are but if we're to narrow it down to actual 
classes of events that occur, I would say sports are one of the most unpredictable things ever. So this report's talking about teams and sports, but what would you use in place of that? Say you were to do this same experiment, but without sports, what would you use for your experiment? I don't know. I feel like right. it's still technically sport, but like if you take the idea of like a lab experiment where you have rats and they're like racing or whatever, or who gets to the cheese first, technically I guess that's still kind of sports. You, you have a bunch of variables that go into it. You have a bunch of potential outcomes. You don't know the unpredictability of like what's going to happen, but you know, they could have rat A who's like juiced out of his mind and faster than all of them you could have rat b who is like run the maze 10 times prior to this and successfully gotten the cheese and so you're given all this information i mean that's i only see like laboratory settings here yeah i I, don't see that well i think it could work on a psychological uh level i mean it obviously is addressing some psychological impact on these people by giving them more information they're feeling more confident about their answer right I mean, can we not can we not go into social issues, or can we not ask someone about something by providing them information? I guess it's only with patterned information. Yeah, the the fear there is that the information is not always necessarily reliable that you're getting. Well, that and I guess it's more whenever you start to get into social issues, that's more opinionated rather than facts. Yeah. So I was going to bring up intuition is another one that they brought up in the study that these people just had. You just either felt p- like that team was going to win. They, yeah, they just, you know, oh, I feel like it's going to be an upset today. And yeah, just, I mean, that they happens could have too, all right? the information in the world and choose against it just because, yeah. oh, I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to win today. So I mean, that's like when you go watch Manchester City play, you're like, man, are they going to lose today? Well, no, not today. They won't lose today because they win every day, except for one game where they almost didn't win or they almost didn't lose. But, but they did. But they did. Uh, no, but, I mean, I think it's uh, that's very interesting. Uh, superstition plays a role, too, because one of my favorite players of all time, Nomar Garcia-Para, number five, shortstop for the Red Sox in the 90s. Never heard of him. He would go up to bat, and every time he fouled a ball off, he would, he would do this thing with his bat where he would throw the bat out in the front. He would do, like, a wind-up with the bat, and he would do more or less if he did not succeed – in his prior at bat or his or the prior pitch. So if he got a strike right down the middle, he'll he'll wind it up more or less. He'll readjust his wristbands, his uh batting gloves, and he would do that each at bat. Each time a pitch went down, you know, that's why they're implementing over. clocks in the game to speed it up. Yeah. He was notoriously bad for that. But I totally I mean superstition is a big one too, and I guess you just I don't know, doesn't play into intuition, but, you know, during the Stanley Cup playoffs as a Penguins fan the last two years, I ate the exact same meal every single night for every single game. And, I mean, win or loss, I was eating the same thing every single time. There were a few losses there where, you know, I had bone-in pork chops instead of, you know, no-bone pork chops. And I was like, you know, that's that's it's my fault they lost, man. I had the bone in. I needed needed no bone. Well, I think whenever we're part of a group like that, we kind of want to feel like we contribute. And so by doing what you're doing, which is eating the same food every day, I used to wear the same baseball hat every day or the same jersey. Uh, if you ask my dad, 
he'll he'll promise you the reason why the Red Sox came back in 2004 was that he let my uncle borrow this Red Sox hat at the beginning of the ALCS. And my uncle borrowed it because they were outside working in the yard and he was getting sunburnt. This is September in North Carolina, so that's possible. And he, he, he borrowed the hat. We lost three games in a row. My dad said, well, I have to get that hat back because we, we swept in the ALDS. This is the first level of the playoffs in baseball. I have to get the hat back. He gets the hat back, wears it that night, we win. Wears it throughout the playoffs and then through the World Series, we win the whole thing. So if you ask him, and if you're listening, Dad, I know you know what I'm talking about, he will swear up and down that was the reason why they won the World Series that year, which it was a big it was a big impact because he felt like he belonged. I felt like I was I was there and like I was witnessing something special because they hadn't won in 86 years. So... So that's like, that's playing into, I guess, the the confidence bit of it. I, I guess you know, so. You're extremely confident in your routine and that it has an impact on what's going on. And regardless of the accuracy sure. of that, I ate my normal things and they still lost games. And so my accuracy was going down, but my confidence was staying the same. I knew I just had to continue to eat those pork chops along with, potatoes steamed potatoes not red ones the red ones are so much better not though. not uh yukon golds just regular steamed russets and also steamed peas i just wish you would eat chalk and then they won a game you have to just eat, <laughs> continue eating chalk i would have too tons of chalk would have too so what i mean whenever you're thinking of making a decision on something how, what is your process if you were to, if you would actually sit and think about it right now as I'm asking you, what would be your process of when you're getting new information, how you decide whether or not to believe it if that's factual? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So I think what we've learned from the two studies is that it's not necessarily that you get new information and more information. It's that you need to be able to rely on the information. You need to fact check it before you even start making your decisions. There was even, I think there was even in the first day that you mentioned, I want to say that there was a excerpt that explained if you get information from someone that you already know has provided you with false information, you are less likely to accept it over someone who's giving you information for the first time. Yeah. And so there's a lot of hurdles that you have to get over here. And that's like the first study mentioned was regardless of who you're getting new information from, you're already less receptive to it than hurt information that's been repeated before that you've heard. You have to, I guess, classic skepticism, man. My entire life revolves around this thing called skepticism. And so you've got to be skeptical of everything you hear, regardless if you hear it 10 times or if you're hearing something new for the first time, you should, um, avoid the illusory truth bias you should fact check be receptive and open to new information and new ideas and then go and do your own research become informed uh, and then you can make a better decision in that sense in second study it may not necessarily be an accurate decision but you'll be confident in it so yeah. you know they you do play, your research you yeah feel they kind of conflict a little bit but i I think that's yeah, I mean, it's so it's so hard to really determine and and think for yourself whenever you're getting force fed a lot of information, and then you're having to pick and choose the information because you can't 
like you're saying, you can't really rely, if, or if you have seen something that was deceptive in the past, you're less inclined to believe it in the future. I, I'm, I wholeheartedly believe that, and so I won't read certain pages online because I've, thinking about my own process of making my own decisions, I'll, I'll read something, and I guess if you have a picture of it, I'm feeling pretty good about it. You picture know? it didn't happen. Picks or it didn't happen. That's classic phrase. Class. Just just thinking about the process I, in my head right now. I mean, if if it's something that I feel like could be possible, and I read an article about it, or even the headline and see pictures and see highlights, man, I, f- I feel like I'm really susceptible to fall into that. And so, I'll spit it out really fast too. I'll be like, oh, like today I was I was looking at the transfer deadline for soccer. And I saw that some people were off the board. And, you know, they were just considering that someone was going to get traded, but they ended up, you know, they're going to stay with their team. And the trade deadline had not ended yet because it doesn't end until tonight, I believe. Well, UK time, so it, it's ended. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I read it. Let's say I read it at 5 o'clock, and the UK deadline was... Midnight UK, which would be 7 o'clock here. Yeah, so a couple hours away. And you can still submit files up to the deadline. And it said a couple players weren't moving. And I just took it as is. And I, I messaged one of the guys in our office, and I was like, hey, looks like so-and-so is not moving. I didn't look at that information anywhere else. I just saw it on that on the website. Just assumed it was There right. was a website that had 20 different transactions, and I saw that the ones that were listed as already occurring were factual. I knew that. But the other ones, I had no idea. But I assumed that since they already had some information that was factual, that was correct. And so I used that in my decision-making process. Well, some of this information is right. I haven't looked into this other information, but I'm just going to assume that it's right because they seem like they're doing their job. And I think that's that happens with a lot of things. That's fair. Like if we read a a science textbook or a math textbook, and a math textbook says 1 plus 1 equals 2, okay, well, I know that, and then you tell me, X plus Y equals Z. Okay, I can believe that too because you already have some truth in there. I'm obviously making a huge jump between the two, between algebra and basic math. But you know, if you if you feel confident enough in the information that you're being provided, I think you're very susceptible to believing anything that source is going to provide you. Pretty exciting stuff, right? <laughs> you guys are going to go read both of these articles, yeah, I expect, and don't fall asleep. They're really not that long, so. They're, they're not, but if you're not well-educated in how statistics work, it's going to be mean, maybe, terribly Maybe boring. it's not even statistics. Maybe it's just science. Science? Is that how they write science papers? <laughs> half of the, I will say, when you're reading this, half of it you can probably skip over because unless you're really worried about getting the accuracy of the information and the experiment, and you, and you just would rather, like me, jump to the results of it, the important stuff. The important stuff, despite checking the information like we're talking about. You're more likely inclined to do that because it's... I mean, you have to know a lot of stuff about how these experiments are conducted. And I don't I don't know how it is. So we're both taking this information that we read, saying that it's... Question fa- everything. It's fact. But I agree. I think, uh, you know, healthy skepticism is healthy. I think the other option here, you could probably take all of the information and stuff that we've discussed and you can flush it right down the toilet. 
which is a perfect segue for toilet talk. Dun dun dun. I'm getting pretty good at these segues, I have to say, man. Way better than when we first started. Um, all right, guys. Today's toilet talk discussion. Something that hits really, really deep in the in the veins of your boy. Toilet technology. Toilet technology? I thought we were talking about Oh, comfort. shit. Shrip. Rewind that back. We're talking about toilet comfort, bathroom comfort, and what you do to make yourself feel comfortable in a toilet that you may or may not feel comfortable in normally. Sure. You know, you're in a new spot, you're at work, we've talked about before. So I think, you know, we've discussed this in the past in preparation here, and you brought up something that was just like kind of mind blowing to me, remarkable at the lengths that you have gone through in the past to get comfortable in certain toilet situations. Yeah, I'm, I am, uh, I'll say, I'm releasing a lot of information, some cold hard facts for you, if you will, and it's not going to be pretty. Let's, but I'll tell you. Let's let's get them in kind of nice and easy. So okay. so you're at home, okay? I'm at home. What what's the normal process? Oh man. Okay. So depending on where I'm at, if I'm at home, I like to get my laptop. Weird to start already. I, I mean, so I have <laughs> fecal fingers all over. No, your no. I'll explain. <laughs> I'll explain that part. So I have a squatty potty that I can't use because my toilet's already low to the ground. I prop it out in front of me. I throw the laptop on front of, on top of that. So I have like a little bit like a little laptop holder or a little laptop desk in the bathroom. And then I just do my business while doing business. While while watching movie trailers or while reading Reddit or whatever. Okay, so that's one of the things. I'll make sure like I have like something to watch, something to do. Now, <laughs> something that's happened recently at work is that I wear headphones a lot. I mean, I have these Bluetooth noise-canceling headphones. They're some of the best I've ever had in my life. I have been privy to going to the bathroom with my headphones around my neck. Now, when I go to the bathroom, I don't like people around me or noise making noise while I'm in the bathroom because I don't feel it's not that I don't feel safe but whenever you're in the bathroom you're in your most insecure your most vulnerable right I would say insecure you just don't want anyone to judge you or anyone to think about you while you're in the bathroom you know or someone to touch your foot while you're inside your stall and so I've thrown on the headphones and then you're canceling out all the noise. You can focus on getting your business done and you don't have to worry about anything else. That's definitely one thing I'll second there. I mean, I'm not, a, I don't do the headphones, but I mean, I, if I'm in a public setting, I close my eyes, deep, steady breaths. I like, I am dialed in and focused in order to get comfortable in there, you know? Normally, I'll do a quick search if it's a restroom I've never been into to find that low toilet. Mm. I know we've discussed this in a previous podcast, but low toilets for the win over high toilets. You can get a proper pooping position with a low toilet, and uh, generally, as a short person, it's just more comfortable. Um, and so that's how I get comfortable is just, you know, figure out my surroundings, choose the optimal toilet for my proper pooping position, and, you know, just get focused in there get zen with it and you're you're a faster bathroom guy than i am i i care about my body um i don't know in a lot of ways i i i mean 
I take care of myself, what I put into my body. Uh, as a 27-year-old guy, you wouldn't expect uh, someone to just be taking fiber. Uh, but I do, just to stay regular. Uh, and I know my body really, really well. So I'm in, I'm in and out in like, you know, two to five minutes. I don't probably. even know how that's even physically possible. It's I just know, man. I know. I mean, I, there's usually like a, a process. Nah, man. I'm pretty clean too, as far as comfort uh, goes. You know, I don't have to worry about. I, I could be in there. I could be in there with like only three sheets left, and I'm good. You know? Oh man, that's that's insane to me. It gets messy. No, it gets it's really all about. Messy. See, when you're in the zone and you're zen and comfortable in your pooping position, you just slides right out. I guess. I guess that that's not. I mean, I've had that moment that you're talking about, but it doesn't happen very frequently. I think my only preference at home, I lock the dog out of the bathroom every time that I go to the bathroom. He is not. He yeah, is but not, he's right there trying to smell it underneath the door. Yeah, absolutely. He's a flipping weirdo. But uh, you know, I've had him for almost a year, and all he does is follow me around to try and get into the bathroom, and he has yet to see me naked. And that is the way I would would hope to keep it forever and ever. Um, but that's just, I mean. I'm consciously thinking about that. In order to get comfortable and get in the zone, I have to make sure he's locked out of the bathroom. Yeah, I have a small story to tell you. I don't want to say story. I'll just tell you what I used to do in high school. No, no. <laughs> oh boy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Elementary school? Getting yeah, elementary school. All um, right. And middle school. I'll say middle school too. Oh, good God. Um, my grandma used to pick on me about this, but she told me one time I would, I would get off the bus, and she has this double wide house. Um, that's down this huge hill, so I, I get left left off. I walk out of the bus at the top of the hill, and I'm sprinting straight down the hill. We would always run out of the out of the bus or off the bus, and then go straight to the house. And it's a, it's literally a straight shot downhill that we would all. Um, and I say we, it was me and my cousins, and some of some of the people that my grandma used to watch. She was my babysitter, neighborhood na- watch. Uh, nanny, I guess she was Nana, Nana the nanny. Granny, granny, name. Uh, and so she would she would watch all the kids. But anyways, running down after school, I mean, it is a sprint to the door because sometimes I I wouldn't poop at school. I would try not to poop. If I did poop, or if I had to poop, my stomach hurt. Mom, where yet? I need a ride. And I would milk the shit out of that excuse. Literally the shit out of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so I'm running down, and and she swears up and down that day. I was running, and I had to I had to poop so bad. I was throwing my my jacket off. I was throwing my shirt off. I had my book bag on. I slung it off, and then I, I mean I got to the bathroom, and I was I get I got naked in the bathroom is what I'm getting at. So I would when I used to use the bathroom in elementary school, I would go to the bathroom and I would strip down into nothing, and I would have I would use the bathroom completely naked on the toilet. And that's that's how I would do it every single day. It was so it was com- it was comfortable for free. me. It was natural. It was free. Yeah. Nothing constraining me. No no you know pants pulling my legs together. And I'm serious when I say naked. Socks are off. Uh, and that's how that's how it was for me. Dedication to the craft. And it I think it la- it lasted all the way to middle school. <laughs> I mean it's kind of embarrassing admitting that, but that's how it was. And I think even for the longest time I would. I would have to take my shirt off because I would feel more comfortable with my shirt off. 
but that's that's how it happened every single uh most most days most days hey man it's a little weird but you know you do you felt good so i'll end that i will end i'll drink to that today's toilet talk on be okay with pooping without any clothes whatever you gotta do whatever you gotta do you know let us know on the site we're very interested in hearing what other people do maybe i mean i don't want some things not weird not be weird nothing nothing really weird don't get in too much detail but we're not against like learning what other people do just just for to humor us but uh what'd you think of the blantons today steve Uh, you know what i thought it was very similar to the green label special reserve which we had on a prior episode i know that you bought this one i did gold edition from the uk not available in the u.s i wouldn't i wouldn't go out of the way and buy it well i'm glad i have a bottle well i'm I'm glad i have it i'm glad i bought it got a chance to taste it and i will drink the rest of the bottle it's gonna be be delicious and great Mm -hmm. as far as i mean we've had three out of four blantons so far Mm -hmm. uh one of which i don't think we're gonna be able to try just not fiscally possible. Is and it in uh, thousands of dollars? No, it's hundreds of dollars. Well, oh, it's but it's just still... it's a matter of ordering it online and getting it shipped here from yeah, another country. Blanton's single barrel bourbon is the best. Regular. That was the one that I'm talking about. By yeah, that's far. The, I like that's... the special reserve. Uh, I like the gold edition, which we're having tonight. But and I don't mean to say that any of these are bad. None of them are bad. They're all exceptionally well distilled beverages crafted crafted is it still distilled though right that's distilled. i just don't think that this one is as good as the uh as the green label i mean sorry the the original, original. what is that label just brown it's a brown kind of yeah uh tan anyways sure. uh yeah so i mean do, would you say that's better than the green label uh yeah i think i think it's just more real you know, the special reserve, I'm not sure. I know the difference has to do the way they're distilled and mm-hmm. and the amount of ingredients that go in. The alcohol levels are a little different in all of these. And this is the highest alcohol content we've had with the gold edition. But uh, I couldn't say. I'd, I'd I have to taste. say original, then gold, then the, the special reserve, which, um, you know, was a little weaker on the alcohol side. But it also lacked a little bit of flavor that I was hoping for. I I can't I can't remember exactly like how I could di- differentiate the green and the gold label that we're trying tonight. But you're saying that this one has higher alcohol content or alcohol This is the volume. highest highest of the 3. I mean, if you feel like if you feel like getting a little bit more messed up and you're having the same sort of blend, go for the gold, but I mean, it is it is a little bit pricier. Yeah. Um, but again, I I can't I couldn't find a way to differentiate the flavors too much i i didn't and the thing is i didn't taste or it didn't taste like it had more alcohol content in it either so i mean that's a good thing it just tastes like a normal glass of a bourbon with higher alcohol content but a, a normal glass of blantons i'll say not yeah. bourbon because some bourbon is bad as we've tried <laughs> bird dog bird <laughs> i mean if you want a mixer more like bird crap yeah there you go well, guys, uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us this good day. This uh, Wednesday, most likely. Or whatever day you're <laughs> Whatever day you're it. listening to this, but it's 
being released on a Wednesday. Yeah, so we appreciate you listening, supporting the podcast uh, in any way that you can. Look out for the Raleigh Rambler. Check out the website, www.myshotoflife.com. If you're in the triangle, you're going to want to listen to that on Sundays to get your events for the week to look forward to in the Raleigh-Durham area. And we'll have that on our website, uh, linked to SoundCloud, and we'll also have it on iTunes. And Stitcher, if you have Stitcher on your iPhone or Android phone. Sure. Uh, Don't forget, uh, if you do listen on iTunes or anywhere, feel free to rate us uh, and leave some comments as well. That definitely helps drive popularity and exposure for us. Uh, don't forget to check out our website, myshotoflife.com, and give us a follow on our social media at myshotoflife on both Twitter and Instagram. Check out our YouTube channel, where in addition to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, we will be posting our episodes each week, still in the process of working that all out. Feel free to reach out to us uh, through our various outlets and co- with comments and suggestions on future episode topics, as well as different drinks to try and rate. That's it for the podcast today. We're signing off. I'm Steven. And I am still Victor. And always remember, drinks are better with friends.